Welcome to yet another Dipshit Files. I'm Mr. Scriptkeeper. And I'm Mrs. Scriptkeeper. And this is episode 72. Mm. Done a lot of these. Yeah. And we're calling this one Don't Fear the Reaper. <laughs> Don't so, fear the Reaper. You will hear that riff. <laughs> you know the riff. It's this one. Oh, yeah. No, that's the one. Yeah. You feel it. I'm feeling it. You feel it. Let's yeah. keep feeling it. Yeah. Keep feeling that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cowbell. Remember the cowbell thing? I do. What's that riff? Yep, got it. Everybody knows that riff. In my head the whole time I was writing the script. Yeah. Uh, hopefully we'll get to use it again, but maybe not. I don't know how this show's going to go like always. <laughs> so let's open the file and spread all the shit on the desk and see what's inside. All right. So you have three stories for us. I do. And these are epic stories. Yeah, these are these are those epic human stories. I've got three specific stories that I pulled, mm-hmm. did some research into the actual media that covered these, and mm-hmm. these are true stories, even though they don't sound true. They are true. And they all are dealing with the Reaper, it sounds like. Yeah. So life and death type shit. Absolutely. All right. I think you might be interesting. Well, can we play the riff? See, we get to play the riff again. <laughs> Don't be the reaper. Yeah, All right, are you ready? Mm-hmm. All I right, feel like so I am. let's begin. Don't be the reaper. Story number one. One morning in June of 2011, in the Russian city of Kazan, mm. a 49-year-old Russian woman named Fajilyu Makametsyanov. Wow, <laughs> this will be a fun episode. I did it. You did. That's good. <laughs> she woke up feeling as if she were coming down with a stomach bug. I'm not feeling very good, Ski. Fajilyu had recently had some health problems, and her doctors had told her that she really, she just needed to take it easy, avoid anything that uh, stressed her out or made her feel upset. You know, basically just relax. So like Cut down on the bear wrestling to like two or three days a week <laughs> instead of seven. <laughs> Naked okay, bear wrestling. I, I got to tell you, uh, side note before I continue, one of the stories that hit the cutting room floor of this mm-hmm. was about a bear in Russia oh. and three women two women and a dog and they were wrestling and punching and riding into store kind of good uh, but I, I did remove that one because oh. it was it was just too much okay well in the future uh, maybe it'll come back I will back around. save the Russian two women bear story <laughs> okay alright so uh, Fajilio is supposed to be chilling out right mm-hmm. so on that morning this is exactly what she decided to do instead of pushing through her nausea and going to work anyway that day she decided she would call out sick stay home make herself some tea and just work on feeling better however a little while later when Fajilio was in the kitchen making her tea her husband Fajili mm-hmm. came in and asked to see how she was doing and she said you know what I actually feel worse you know, my nausea has gotten worse. My chest, is, it hurts. I don't like the fact that your name is almost identical to I mine. Know, it pisses I know. me off every day. <laughs> I had the name first, Fajili. You gotta change your fucking name. She says, I'm starting to sweat. I think maybe I have a fever, so I'm gonna go lie down in the bedroom. But as Fajilu walked across the kitchen to go lay down, her chest suddenly tightened intensely and she collapsed, falling to the floor unconscious. Fajili rushed over to his wife, tried to wake her up, and when he couldn't, 
He rushed to the phone and called for an ambulance. When the ambulance arrived, Fajilu wasn't breathing. And by the time they got her to the hospital, she was declared deceased. Hmm. Tragically, she had died from a heart attack. Fajili, who had been married to Fajiliu for almost 30 years, was absolutely devastated. But their religious beliefs encouraged people to hold funerals uh, within that 24 hours of a loved one's passing. So mm. even though Fajili was completely despondent uh, and racked with grief, he immediately began calling relatives and friends and making preparations for Fajiliu's funeral, which would take place the next day. Sheesh. That's really quick. We got to get the spirit to off to spirit land. I know. I think that's the belief. It's just, I, it, as I was reading through this, it's just hard. I could not imagine. No. That's too too quick Yeah. for me. Um, so the next morning, Fajili woke up. He put on his best suit, and then he joined both his, wife, his and his wife's family and all of their friends at the funeral home uh, for Fajili's funeral. When Fajili walked into the funeral home, he saw the room was filled with wooden chairs all facing the front of the room where there on a table was his wife's coffin open and surrounded by all of the flowers that Vigili had barely been able to afford with what little money he and his wife had. Hmm. Vigili slowly made his way down the middle of the room to his wife's coffin with family and friends stepping aside with heads bowed in grief for their loss. And as he steps up to the coffin and gazes down at his deceased wife's face, Fajilia was struck by her appearance. She just did not look right. Now, Fajili didn't have enough money to embalm his wife. So instead, the people who worked at this funeral home had just applied some heavy makeup to Fajilia's face okay. to try and make her appear more lifelike. But <laughs> Where is this going? It really hadn't worked. Mm-hmm. To Fajili, it didn't even look like his wife. Evidently, Fajiliu never wore makeup, so to see her with, you know, heavy black eyeliner, red lipstick, it was just totally bizarre. Behind Fajiliu were the blended families, and they were all assembled in the first row, and they were beginning their prayers for the dead. So Fajili took one last long look at his wife, and then stepped back and joined the first row. As Fajili was standing there holding his mother and brother's hand, he closed his eyes and did his best to focus on the words of the prayer instead of the immense grief he was feeling for the loss of his wife. Just as he was finally beginning to focus, his mother, who was standing to his right side, suddenly fell silent mid-prayer. A second later, she let out this strange crying sound, and, and Fajili opened his eyes and looked over at his mother, expecting her to, you know, be mid-collapse from grief. Mm-hmm. But instead, he saw that his mother was trembling and had a horrified expression on her face, looking straight ahead. So Fajili followed her gaze to the front of the room. And what he saw made Fajili feel faint. His wife, Fajiliu, was sitting straight up in her coffin. Yikes. She wasn't making a sound, but she was looking out at the crowd of people with her face full of strange makeup, just yeah. staring at them with her eyes wide. You don't want that, I don't think. Uh, no, for a moment, everyone in the funeral home had noticed her. And shot themselves. And all had fallen completely silent. The mourners just stared at each other and then back at Fajiliu, and then Fajiliu's mouth slowly opened as her face contorted into a scream. Oh, boy. But no sound came from her. 
She took a deep breath and let out this raspy, dry yell that built and built until it was sort of like a like a, a yell or a roar. Ugh. This loud, deep, guttural sound began coming out of Fajilia's mouth. Right. The entire room of mourners began to scream as well. Everyone <laughs> screaming. Yeah. Suddenly, it was absolute chaos inside this building as funeral workers rushed to call emergency services, not knowing what else to do. They're like, call the cops. So Fajili, who had also been screaming after seeing his wife rise from the dead, he kind of like snapped out of it and ran to his wife. He wrapped his arms around her, and when he did, Fajilu went from screaming to silent. Hmm. And she looked up at her husband with wide eyes full of fear, and, and she began to cry. Hmm. And then she slumped forward into Fajili's arms. At this point, both of the families saw what was happening, and they, they kind of also snapped out of it. And they rushed up to help Fajili lift Fajilu out of her coffin and they laid her on the ground, and even though she wasn't moving, her eyes were wide open, and she was looking up at her family, just absolutely terrified, with her makeup kind of running from the, her tears and her crying. Fucking. Then, 12 minutes later, when Fajilu finally was rushed to the hospital, she was declared deceased. What? Again. Oh, boy. So, as it turns out, when Fajilu, when, when she collapsed on the kitchen floor, she really did have a heart attack, mm-hmm. but it didn't kill her. They just were like, well, she's dead. Throw her <laughs> on the, the ground. Well, she was just unconscious, and her breathing had become very shallow. Somehow, I don't know how, but the doctors hadn't noticed this. So, when Fajilu regained consciousness and woke up inside her coffin yeah, at her own funeral, fuck. she was likely, uh, she likely was at the very least healthy enough to be alive, right? right? Yeah. Uh, but when she looked around the room and saw that she was actually inside a coffin at her own funeral, yeah. the stress of that moment after so soon after uh, an initial heart attack had given her another heart attack oh, the poor thing. and this one had been fatal they're like you're done right and you know that the funeral home was like we're gonna have to charge it twice <laughs> <laughs> sorry it's just how this racket goes sorry oh uh, so that that story one isn't that insane that is insane that is I was I was like, what? Can you imagine being in the audience seeing that? Good God. Especially if you don't that's really care. Ni- that's nightmare fuel. If it's like a secondary, like somebody just in your circle, just outside of the monkey sphere. Yeah. It's like, like oh. a friend of a friend of the aunt of her. Yeah. yeah. You're just sitting there you're like, oh, oh shit. shit. What's going on in this family? <laughs> they got some stuff going on. Demon stuff. Let's not oh, come back to their stuff. Oh, good Lord. All right. Is it time for story two? It's time for story number two. Don't fear the reaper, huh? That lady scared the fuck out of me here's story number two on the afternoon of may 25th 2017 42 year old nicole gordon was laying on her couch in her home in atlanta georgia with an ice pack on her head she had a blinding headache one of the worst headaches she'd ever had and she was unable to do anything but just lay on the couch Nicole really had no idea why she had this terrible headache. Of course, she had experienced the occasional headaches before in her life, but nothing like this. Hmm. The only possible culprit she could come up with. Tuma. There was a minor car accident that she had been in like three weeks earlier where her car window had broken and some of the glass had cut her face a little bit. But she didn't think that would be enough to lead to this absolutely horrific headache that had not gone away for three whole weeks. Hmm. However... 
Nicole was a very tough woman, and even though she thought about going to the hospital many times in the past three weeks, even if just to find out the cause, she'd convinced herself that it's got to be something minor. She's like, meh, it'll go away. She told herself to tough it out, partly because she had no medical insurance, but toughing it out looked like laying on the couch all day long, not only getting up to eat and go to the bathroom and not going to work. Nicole just sat in the darkness of her home with an ice pack, just hoping, praying that this headache will just go away. But it did not. One day, as Nicole was laying there, she heard the back door open and coming in through the door was her boyfriend, Durante, coming in, bringing in groceries. He walked in, put the groceries away, and then he came into the living room where she was and he asked how she was doing. Oh, you know, my brain hurts. Nicole told him that the headache had not yet gone away and asked if he wouldn't mind going to the kitchen and getting her some ibuprofen and a glass of water. So Durante said, of course. He went in the kitchen, he got what she needed, and then he brought it back to her. After thanking him, Nicole took the ibuprofen, and then she just went back to being totally miserable. Hmm. But just a moment later, Nicole and Durante heard a knock on the front door, and Durante walked over and kind of like pulled the blinds to peek through the blinds to see who was at the front door and he saw it was Nicole's best friend Leisha so instead of going to the door and opening it Durante turned around to Nicole and said hey it's Leisha do you want me to get the door Nicole she just kind of grunted said oh please no 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 just ignore her now even though Nicole and Leisha were extremely close Nicole knew that Leisha was a very high energy person Hmm. She had been calling and texting basically nonstop ever since Nicole had begun getting this headache. So, of course, Leisha, she just wanted help, you know, kind of be around to help Nicole while mm-hmm. help her recover. But Nicole just could not deal with that. She super, couldn't see how that could be helpful. She couldn't she couldn't deal with that super high energy right now. Right. I mean, she could barely have a conversation without her head feeling like it was going to burst open. Mm-hmm. She knew that Leisha and Durante didn't really like each other either. So Nicole figured it would just be better for everybody if they just pretended no one was home and Leisha just went away. Hmm. Uh, However, Leisha was very persistent. She would continue knocking loudly on the front door. Hmm. She then began calling Nicole's phone. And so Nicole reached over and just kept silencing her phone over and over. Damn. Finally, Nicole looked over at Durante and, and said, I, I can't handle this. I'm going to my room and I'm going to go lay down. So she grabbed her phone and she slowly stood up off the couch. You know, she could barely move because of the pain. Right. She slowly and quietly walked past the front door and made her way into the bedroom. Just as she was about to lay down, though, she decided to take a quick peek through the blinds. And it was bright. So she had to, she like squinted to look through her blinds Mm. and her room was at the front of the house and her window faced the front porch. Mm. Nicole wanted to see if Leisha was still there. And when she peeked through the blinds, Leisha was absolutely still there outside. And she happened to be looking right at Nicole's bedroom. (laughs) Two of them made eye contact and Nicole's like, oh my God, she knows I'm here. Mm. So she shut the blinds, but now Leisha came to the window and she was yelling, hey, Nicole, I know you're home. Come on, let me in. I want to help you. Let me in, bitch. But Nicole just could not deal with it. So she laid on her bed and she continued to completely ignore her friend outside. Nicole knew that no matter how offended or upset Leisha was about her rudeness, she'd get over it because the two women had been friends for nearly two decades. Mm. These two women met when they were neighbors 19 years earlier. 
they had become friends really quickly. I mean, they had become pregnant at the same time. They raised their kids basically together, side by side. Hmm. But, but in the last five years that Nicole and Durante had been together, Nicole and Leisha had kind of drifted apart because Leisha and Durante both had very strong personalities and they just kind of clashed. Hmm. One was a Bears fan, one was a Packers fan. <laughs> just wasn't going to work. Additionally, Nicole and Durante had this weird, rocky, on-again, off-again relationship. And every time they were broken up, Leisha would come around and be just basically n- with no filter hmm. uh, with Nicole about how much she didn't like Durante. Nah. So right now, Nicole could not deal with Leisha. And so despite the yelling, the knocking, the phone calls, Nicole just rolled over on her bed with an ice pack on the side of her head and fell asleep. Hmm. Now, a few hours later, when Nicole woke up, Leisha was gone. And so was Durante. He didn't seem to stick around for very long ever. He would just come over check in and then he'd be off doing his own thing so nicole and her blinding headache got out of her bed and she was able to walk back into the living room where she laid down on the couch and just went right back to sleep now this at this point this headache has been with her for three weeks Mm -hmm. it had not gotten any better Mm -hmm. but she was really convinced that taking enough ibuprofen and relaxing long enough would cause it to go away Mm But over the next couple of days, this headache, which was already, she explained it like a 10 Mm. out of 10 pain scale, somehow became a 20 out of 10. Oh, boy. It got so bad, she couldn't even open her eyes. She said it was like this horrific, it was horrific. And she said it had gotten so bad that her relationship with Durante started to kind of go south. Durante didn't really believe that Nicole was actually in the amount of pain that she said she was in. And he kind of began acting like she was being lazy. Uh Now, this really upset Nicole because it it wasn't true at all. And she was just in uh, nauseating pain. I mean, she couldn't even really keep food down. She couldn't do anything about it. So finally, in late June, five weeks after this headache had begun... At this point, her headache had still not gone away. She was laying on the couch like always with the lights off. She got the ice pack on her head. Their boss called and she's like, they're like, what the fuck are you doing? Where are you? She's just trying to get through the day and survive. She hears the back door open and Durante is Durante and he comes in. This time though, he slams the back door. He doesn't even say hello. He like storms into the living room and just looks down at her with this pissed off look on his face. Hmm. And Nicole... Uh, she kind of like peeks out from her under her eyelashes and looks at him. And when she saw that look on his face, she just had it. She said, you know what? We're done. And immediately Durante, he got fucking pissed. Mm. He's like, how dare you? I've been taking care of you for the past five weeks, bringing you groceries, bringing you this and that. Nicole had no energy to fight with him. And she just let him bitch and moan and complain and rave until he was finally done and he walked out. And she was like, thank God. (laughs) Few days later on June 25th, Leisha was back at Nicole's house knocking on the door. Nicole had actually texted her to let her know that she had officially ended the relationship with Durante, finally, for the final time. And so feel free to come over. You know, there's not gonna be any drama with him being here, blah, blah, blah. So Alicia, She came back over and she was really excited to see Nicole and kind of get over this weirdness, you know, of her being ignored and shit. Yeah. Yeah. So she, this time when she knocked, Nicole did make it up 
up to the door right. and she opened it up and, and Leisha, as soon as she saw Nicole, she hadn't seen her in this whole time. She was like, this is the first time seeing her since the headaches had really begun. She knew something was definitely wrong with I, Nicole. I lost weight. And- her entire apartment was complete darkness. All the windows were covered. Nicole couldn't even open her eyes, barely. She was feeling her way around to get back to the couch. And finally, Alicia, she kind of, she's like, oh my gosh, how bad is this headache? Nicole, she could barely form a sentence. She just said, oh, it's so, so bad. It's so bad. Alicia came inside. Nicole led her through this dark apartment into the kitchen. And Nicole sat down and Alicia sat down next to her. And she began asking Nicole questions about her headache, about Durante, just kind of about her life. And quickly, Leisha realized that Nicole wasn't making any sense. Hmm. Her answers, even to the simplest questions like, what did you eat today? Or they were all in fragments. It didn't make any sense. And finally, Leisha said, hey, girl, this can't be a normal headache. This is something serious. You need to go to the hospital. And at this point, even though Nicole had been trying so hard to kind of white knuckle <laughs> white knuckle right. her way through whatever was going on in hopes that it'd go on a, go away on its own she was like you know what you're right there is something wrong here mm-hmm. she knew she needed help from a doctor so nicole agreed to go leisha would help nicole up and kind of assist her out of the apartment and into leisha's car and leisha took her to the hospital and when they got there leisha brought nicole into the emergency room and she explained to the nurses and doctors that nicole had this terrible migraine. It started after she was in this really minor car accident five weeks earlier. And so the doctors and the nurses brought Nicole back to one of the rooms and they began kind of treating her the way they would a patient who had a serious headache. Mm-hmm. They asked her if she was hydrated. They asked what medication she was taking. Asked her if she pooped. <laughs> right. Asked what she'd been eating, how much sleep she was getting, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. They're kind of just going down this list of things trying to figure out what could cause this headache, but nothing stood out as a red flag. Even the fact that she'd been in this minor car accident and had a couple of little cuts on her face from the glass, that really wasn't enough for them to think, yeah, that could have been the cause. I'm leaning that direction towards some sort of glass in the brain or something. Right, five weeks of a persistent migraine headache. So they even looked at the cuts on her face to see if maybe they were infected or maybe, yeah, a little bit of embedded glass or something. Mm -hmm. But they weren't, they weren't. I mean, basically, they had no idea what was causing this. But So they just put her down. The doctors and the nurses were very concerned because persistent, extreme head pain can be signs of a stroke or an aneurysm or something, both of which can be fatal. So they put Nicole through a series of imaging scans to take a look inside her head to try and figure out what the hell was going on. And after they finished these scans, Nicole was brought back to her hospital room and then she lay down on the bed. And even though she felt terrible, still, because his headache, she felt at least okay. You know, finally, you know, these people are going to figure out what's wrong with me. They're going to give me medication. This headache's finally going to go away and I get back to my life. But... (laughs) Just a couple minutes later, as Nicole is trying to get comfortable, the door to her room suddenly burst open and a swarm of people came into the room looking very concerned. Oh boy. In the middle of all these people was a guy wearing a suit and he walked up to Nicole and he said he was a police detective and he held up one of her scans and pointed at it. 
But to understand what he was pointing at on her skin, we need to go back. Let's take a look at what really happened on that day Nicole got into that minor car accident. Oh boy, he left his pin in her head. Back in early May, right? Mm -hmm. So Nicole and Durante, who were still dating at this point, five Mm -hmm. weeks earlier, they just came back to Nicole's house after the two of them had been at a house party together and Nicole was pretty pissed off at Durante. Oh, Durante. He was at this house party and he'd been openly flirting with other women right in front of her. Well, shit. So Nicole, after getting to her house, she brought it up, how disrespectful it was and how it upset her. And Durante, instead of being apologetic or, you know, trying to defend himself or even freaking lie Stabbed her in the head. He actually got mad at Nicole and said, you know what? Fine, I'm breaking up with you. You know, whatever. Then he began going around her house and he grabbed all of his shit, things that he'd left there. Nicole, truthfully, was so mad. She didn't even care that he was putting on this show of taking of his stuff, you know, all of that. And which pissed Dante Durante off even more. So he headed out. He was really angry, headed out with all of his crap. Mm-hmm. And he realized that he, he got into Nicole's car because there was a, some of his stuff in her car. So he went in the passenger seat and Nicole just res- automatically got into the driver's seat of the car just to make sure that Durante didn't take anything that didn't belong to her. Mm-hmm. He didn't want, she didn't want him messing with her car in some way to get revenge on her. So she's sitting there and watching Durante next to her gather up his things. And then he hops out of the car. He doesn't say a word to her. And then he walked around to the front of her car and got into his car, which was basically parked Uh, right in front of her. Mm. Uh, It was facing outwards towards the road. He climbed into the driver's seat, shut the door, but he didn't move. So Nicole, she's chilling in her car, waiting for Durante, hoping he's just going to leave and not come back. But he wasn't going anywhere. So suddenly, feeling so pissed at him for everything that he'd been doing since basically their whole relationship, she turned on her car and drove forward. Not fast or anything, but she bumped, intentionally bumped into the back of Durante's car. Okay. And then she backed up to where she had been. And after she did this, she stared at him pissed. Basically, like, you know, I want you to leave. Get out of here. Durante was so furious that he threw his car in reverse. And he really rammed into the front of Nicole's car. Hmm. And in fact, he hit her car so hard that her car lurched backwards and smashed into her fence. Hmm. So he really plowed into her. Now, Nicole's memory only showed her this exchange. She remembered fighting with Durante, him gathering up his crap, and then her bumping into him, and then him really smashing her into the fence. So she thought about the minor, this is what she thought about the minor accident she'd gotten into. But what Nicole didn't know as she was laying in the hospital bed, as the detectives holding up the, you know, the scan and pointing at it, there was actually a whole other series of events that played out after Durante backed into her. Hmm. She, she was smashed into the fence. Durante actually got out of his car, walked up to Nicole's car, pulled out a gun, hmm. and shot Nicole in the head. That's what happened. That that wasn't those weren't glass cuts. Right. That's where the bullet went into her skull. Whoa. But obviously this didn't kill her. Right. It knocked her unconscious and Durante picked her up, put her in his car and drove her to his mother's house where he told his mother that Nicole basically she was drunk, she got into an accident 
and she just needs rest. So Durante's mother, believing her son, just put Neosporin on Nicole's entry wound from the gunshot, <laughs> put a Band-Aid over it, and then just looked af- after her for the night. And then when Nicole basically came back to consciousness, she had no idea what happened. Her memory only existed up until Durante rammed into her. Wow. She didn't remember him getting out and shooting her and all that. So when Durante realized that Nicole didn't know he had shot her, he just went along with it and said, oh yeah, you just got really drunk and you were, we were fighting a little bit and you got into this small accident. You know, I think the glass fell down and cut your head. Uh, that's all that happened. Nicole believed it. But it wasn't until Alicia made Nicole go to the hospital five weeks later and they scanned her head that they discovered a bullet <laughs> lodged in her brain. Fuck. So the detective came into the room holding the scan up and he pointed to this bright white spot on the scan. Now this that here was is the a, bullet. a brain. Right. And, uh, That's this is a your skull. bullet. This here is a bullet. The and doctors, that shouldn't be there. Right. The doctors and nurses, they told Nicole that they had never seen anything like this. That she should be dead. Right. Also, because this has gone untreated for five weeks, her body had healed around the bullet. Mm. Like they couldn't, they couldn't take it out. Now her brain has formed itself around the bullet. So was rem- using the bullet to like run electricity. <laughs> to just run her shit. rage. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so all if they tried to remove it, they would actually do more damage than good. Mm. So Nicole would have to. She'd go on to live her life with this bullet in her head. And a headache Uh, forever. But, well, she never really fully recovered. The headaches did finally go away. Hmm. But as for Durante, the police would very quickly go after him. He actually ran, though. He evaded the police for two years. Whoa. And then finally, when they caught him, he was hiding in the attic, and there was this whole long standoff. Then he finally surrendered himself, and then he got charged with a host of crimes, many of which... He was convicted of. So ultimately, he was sentenced to 25 years in prison. Hmm. So, yeah. Isn't that crazy? That is nuts. Yeah. So Nicole did heal. The headaches did finally go away. Not entirely. But she was constant. She was a little bit slower after that. And she had a very difficult time maintaining work and that sort of thing. But she lived. Yeah. That's amazing. The the human body, although we're fragile, we're also very durable. We're very amazing little things. That's at the end of the story, too? That's the end of that story. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, let's take a second and... Wow. Living with a gunshot to the head and not knowing... Just like, damn, that's the worst headache ever. I know, right? You know, if you're at home right now going, man, I got a bad headache, take a look at who you're hanging out with (laughs) and ask them, did you shoot me? Did you shoot me? Oh, my God. Whenever you get a headache from now on, ask your significant other, did you shoot (laughs) me while asleep? Did you shoot me? (laughs) Did you run into my car and then shoot me in the head? And we're just playing it off together. So crazy. Wow. All right. Well, are, are you, you ready? For, I'm, are you ready for the next story? I don't know what's coming, <laughs> but let's do it. All right. And now for the final Don't Fear the Reaper story. All right. Well, we haven't got to play this yet. All right. I just needed to play that. <laughs> story number three. What do you got for us? Or should I say, what do you have for us? Forgive me. <laughs> 
So in 1848, mm. this is an older story. Yeah. A 25 year old man named Phineas Gage got a job working construction. Phineas. Right. Uh, he was working on the Hudson River Railroad in New York. Mm. Now, at this time in the U.S., railroads were being laid all over the country. So lots of workers like Phineas were needed to blast rock out of the way. Phineas is needed. Right. So it to lay down these railroad tracks. Right. And as it happened, Phineas was an expert in explosives. Hmm. He had learned how to set controlled blasts growing up on his farm in New Hampshire. He sounds like an Irish lad, and we <laughs> Irish lads know our way around explosives. Phineas Gage. Phineas, so, uh, oh, Gage. <laughs> Phineas O'Toole Gage. Well, later in his life, he um, had worked in a mine blasting through rock. So, okay. In addition to all this, he was a perfect railroad worker for this time in the U.S. Right. And all you had to do was feed him potatoes, because again, Irish. When Phineas actually started working in New York on this railroad, his co-workers immediately started looking up to him. Hmm. Phineas was extremely smart, and he had a lot of energy. He was this uh, incredible conversationalist. He was charismatic, and he was funny, a natural leader. And so just two months into starting this new job, it was no surprise to anyone who knew him or worked with him. He started a potato cart. He was promoted to blasting foreman. Oh, okay. So this meant Phineas would lead the explosives team. Phineas was so excited about this promotion that he went to a blacksmith and had a custom tamping iron in the made. shape of a potato. It was he had this custom iron made. Now a tamping iron is a long metal rod. I'm trying not to laugh at your jokes this, while I'm trying to read this. You are not so great. distracting. I'm sorry. Whoa, 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 whoa. Can I help you? Potato man. Where the hell have you been? A tamping iron is a long metal rod mm -hmm. that's used to pack explosives. And potatoes. So when railroad workers mm. wanted to blast through like a big rock, they would start by drilling a deep but super skinny hole in the rock. Mm-hmm. Then they would pour blasting powder inside, they'd put a fuse inside, and then using this tamping iron, they'd push the blasting powder and fuse deep into the hole inside the rock or whatever it was that they were blowing up. Strangely enough, that's exactly how the first mashed potatoes were made in, online, in Dublin. So exactly the same. It's a traditional thing. Oh, once it was packed, they would ignite it. Usually, tamping irons were sort of rough tools that looked like crowbars, mm. but Phineas really wanted something special mm. to commemorate this promotion. So he had the blacksmith make this perfectly straight, smooth, four-foot-long metal tamping iron, mm -hmm. and on one end was a pointed side, and on the other end was a blunt side. This rod weighed about 13 pounds. Nice. And it was about an inch in diameter, a little more than an inch in diameter. Mm -hmm. Phineas loved this tamping iron. He brought <laughs> it with him, not just to work, but he took it anywhere he went. Everywhere he, he went. He did. He carried it with him anywhere. I imagined him using it like as a cane, you know, <laughs> right. as a fashion 13 cane. 13 pound cane. <laughs> Very convenient. So on September 3rd, 1848, so not very long after this big promotion, Phineas and his explosives team were blasting through some rock that ran through a forest. And Phineas, he was right up front over the blasting site, helping them prep the explosives. Mm -hmm. His team had drilled that long, deep, skinny hole into the rock. They were about to blow up this rock. And then blasting powder was put inside. The fuse was put inside. Phineas took his trusty special tamping iron and began packing the powder. 
I think this is about the time that we play that Don't Fear the Reaper riff. <laughs> Come on, baby. Okay, I feel like that was properly placed. <laughs> it's probably about that time. So Phineas, Phineas is shoving his tamping iron down into this hole, right? I'm picturing it now. Packing the powder infused deep into the rock. Mm-hmm. And the way he did this is he used the blunt end of his tamping iron to pack the explosives, which meant the pointed end was sticking out of the rock. So as Phineas is doing this, someone behind him kind of slipped on a rock. One of his men tripped or, or something. So Phineas, with his hands kind of on this tamping iron, he turned to look and see what was going on behind him. When he did this, somehow his tamping iron that was inside this hole must have nudged against the inside of the rock. It created a spark and ignited the explosives inside the rock, which meant the tamping iron was basically fired like a missile out of the hole into Phineas's head. It went in his cheek, up behind his left eye, up and out of his skull, and then shot 80 feet away, landing on the ground covered in Phineas's blood and brain. Isn't that crazy? His favorite toy. <laughs> and he died. This happened so quickly that for a second after this thing had blown through Phineas's head, Phineas just stood there. Just basically, he stood there with his eyes wide. And then suddenly a geyser of blood began shooting out the top of his head. And then Phineas fell backwards onto the ground. So when his team, basically when his body hit the ground, he began having... Uh, a seizure, uh-huh. at which point his co-workers, his team, who were still kind of uh, basically beside themselves, shaken up from this sudden blast, they rushed over and tried to kind of position him in a way that he wouldn't hurt himself. But, well, they're looking at him, and, and he's literally missing half his head. Oh. He's covered in blood, and they're thinking, there is nothing we can do for this guy, but basically wait for him to die. So... All of Phineas's co-workers who, they just adored this guy. They loved him. Hmm. They just stood there, somber, watching their boss die. But eventually, Phineas stopped having a seizure. And he opened his eyes, and he looked up at his crew and sat up and said, what happened? Now... Okay, so remember, half his head's gone. Like the it's top been, half? It's, like... Been, it's like side of it. Oh. It's, like, it's like kind of like the side. It's this side. It's the right side. Oof. So he, it, was, it was blown off by a 13-pound, four-foot-long metal rod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That basically shot through his head. That he named Annabelle. <laughs> his coworkers, when they heard how clearly he was speaking and how focused his eyes were... They couldn't believe the whole situation. I mean, how in the world is this guy even alive, let right. alone having a coherent conversation with them? <laughs> He's the toughest motherfucker alive. Right. Phineas Gage. Phineas Gage. Phineas Gage. So the co-workers told Phineas, please lie down and we'll get you help. Lie down, relax. But Phineas, who still had blood shooting out the top of his head, just stood up and casually... You know, he walked over to the railroad cart and signaled for his crew to take him back into town. Oh, wow. So the crew... <laughs> they're going like, to need a drink. They're looking... Right. They're looking over at this guy who who's literally head-to-toe blood. He just bloody from head-to-toe because he's still bleeding. <laughs> but it kind of... The bleeding, I guess, slowed down a little bit. But he's just sitting on the... Because he started to run out, right? Right. Well, he's starting... Yeah, right. He's sitting... Just sitting on the railroad cart waiting for them. 
So they walked over him and they start this slow one mile journey into town on this cart. And the whole time they're all kind of looking at Phineas, expecting him just to die. He's the toughest motherfucker and ever alive. Phineas, Phineas Gage. Gage. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. But instead, Phineas is just kind of looking around with half his head. And at some point, he pulls out his logbook and carefully wrote down what time they were leaving their work site to make sure his crew was accurately paid. And then finally, they reach town, and Phineas is still very much alive, looking around, acting like nothing happened. Uh, and the co-workers, they helped him to his hotel, and they sat him in this chair just outside, out front of his hotel, and just people watching while his crew went and got a doctor. Everyone's kind of like, what the fuck happened? Right? That guy's really so hurt. The, right. The doctor arrived soon, and he, too, was completely shocked You're at his really Phineas's hurt. appearance. Phineas. <laughs> Who's the toughest motherfucker I know? Phineas Gage. <laughs> <laughs> but even more so, with Phineas's eyes, he looked at the doctor, and his eyes were totally focused. Like... He was all there, totally lucid. Who's looking, looking at, this at me doctor. right fucking in the eye? Phineas Gage. He's a interesting so, cat. This doctor was kind of waiting for him to come over and, and help him out with his little injury. When the doctor kind of timidly approached Phineas, he Phineas very famously said as he sat on his chair, Doctor, here's business enough for you. <laughs> You gotta fix my head, Phineas Gage. Oh my god. <laughs> oh boy. Like, so this doctor fully assumed that despite Phineas's miraculous recovery from this injury, that he would soon die yeah. from this horrific like, wound in his you're head. You're pretty optimistic now, right? buddy, but you're missing a big, important <clears throat> chunk of the thing that keeps you alive. It's <clears throat> right? your skull. So the doctor moved Phineas up into the hotel, put him in a bed, and then basically. <laughs> <football> helmet, <laughs> for you. Just keep your head in this football helmet. Try not to jiggle when you. <laughs> he basically put him to bed. He made him comfortable. So now the doctor at this point is he's not trying to save Phineas. He felt like there was nothing he could do for trying this to make guy. It comfortable, right. buddy. At this point, it's like, let's make this as pain free as possible for Phineas. <laughs> yeah. As he inevitably dies from this injury, but Phineas didn't die. He would break, he'd come out of it. And basically, he'd be okay again. However, his personality at first, after he kind of came out of this state of delirium, was not really the same. He was no longer his funny self. Mm. He wasn't very smart or charming or confident anymore. He couldn't be a leader. Instead, he was this guy who seemed to have lost all of his inhibitions mm. and was kind of mm. kind of childlike. He, he kind of swore all the time. He'd tell people that he had these crazy plans and he would never follow through, right? Who turned um, into a giant fucking cunt? <laughs> Phineas Gage. He would tell his nieces and nephews wild stories about just bullshit. Things that weren't true. I mean, just, I mean he was typical uncle. I wonder you know, if that's telling one of my uncles. Huh? <laughs> fucking head injury. But overall, though, he was okay. Even though you <laughs> could see, they, they could say, they could see his brain, like, moving. And they could see the heartbeat what? in his head. Right. Forever? So the skin evidently grew over it. He what? never grew hair there, but his skin did finally grow back. But they must, at some point, the doctor must have stitched it closed or something when oh. Phineas just wouldn't die. So. Who's a guy who wears a hat all the time? Phineas Gage. Fuck. <laughs> all right. So, anyways, you could see the, like, the, 
it wasn't pulsing. It was his heartbeat, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So one of one side of his head had actually completely been blown off, and he lived. So within a couple years of this injury, those changes to Phineas' personality they kind of faded, and he really did become old Phineas. But there was one unique quirk <laughs> post injury that never went away: the sunlight. And it was his love, unhealthy love for his tamping iron. Uh, still, I'm the not tamping, mad at you for ripping my head off, right, little this tamper tamping iron. tamping iron that had blown through his head after his injury. Phineas kind of stopped making friends. You gotta be into tamping iron. Any friends he did have, oh, he God. really didn't try to keep those relationships. He dressed this thing up, didn't he? He never got married. He didn't have kids. Instead, he married this thing. This tamping iron <laughs> became do. sort of like his best friend. He took it everywhere with him, even posing at one point with this tamping iron the way you would expect a couple to pose for a photo. Tamping iron, you're my best friend. Twelve years after the, his, this horrific injury, Phineas would develop seizures, likely from the injury, <laughs> and then he would die with his beloved tamping rod right by his side. His case actually changed neuroscience forever hmm. by showing that an injury to the brain could affect specific personality traits. Mm -hmm. And today, Phineas's skull and his tamping rod are actually on display at Harvard Medical School. <laughs> the tamping rod. <laughs> oh, potato rod, too. It's also a potato rod. Phineas Gage. Phineas Gage. Is that the, that's is that the, the story? End, that's the end of the story. All right, well, let's talk about it for a second All on right. the other side of the thing. Well, let's wrap this fucking shit up, shall we? Yeah. As always, thank you for your research. No, you're welcome. And finding these stories, what a... Interesting, yeah, right? It was kind of fun to try and guess what was going on <laughs> in all these as well. Uh, wow, that last one, though. Poor Phineas. I know. Interesting cat. So I didn't realize that we would make a song for Phineas. That was great. <laughs> Things just happened. I Things know. just happened. I can't really talk, though. Blah. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. So the Russian thing, mm -hmm. the double death. The double death, yeah. That gave me a little goosebumps thinking about being in the audience there and, and pretending I was there mm -hmm. and seeing a, a poorly makeup weirdo right. jumping up, you know. Well, see, in the middle of their own funeral where and then trying to picture what it would be like inside a right. casket and be like, oh, whoa. I don't feel very good, mm -hmm. and this doesn't look good. And then looking, then sitting up. And seeing all of your friends and family. And seeing the look on their faces when you're like, I'm wearing clown makeup and right. you can't talk. You're like, oh, shit. Oh. Yeah, that would. It really, hmm. it, it was, that story was disturbing to me when I was doing my research. Because there's a couple of stories that I came across where people weren't dead yet. Mm -hmm. I, I came across a whole line of that stuff. And it, it doesn't happen very often here in the u.s but even to this day this shit happens in other sense. countries and it's crazy so there was another story that i didn't cover about a guy who was in a motorcycle accident i think this one was in south america somewhere maybe it was spain i don't remember but anyways this just happened in like 2018 this guy was in a motorcycle accident but he they thought he was dead he wasn't dead. Hmm. What had happened was he ended up waking up during his autopsy. No fucking way. Yeah. They hadn't no, begun. He, that's he, worse. That's worse than the ladies thing. Right. That's I didn't worse. share that one because friendly, friendly, it's friendly, friendly. right. But he didn't. They hadn't cut him open yet. They were actually just trying to stitch his chin quickly shut because he was bleeding. 
Okay, so if you're laying on the morgue table and you're actively bleeding, it mm-hmm. seems to me somebody would be noticing this. Yeah. Like, oh, shit, you need a Band-Aid, a live person. Right. Yeah. So basically, it goes through his memory and how he heard things, but he couldn't move. You know, he was kind of trapped in his body. When they started suturing his chin shut um, with no pain meds because they thought he was dead, the pain brought him out of this weird state kind of like a coma state and he literally screamed and scared the shit out of these doctors right the 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 coroners oh yeah he looked down and they had marked the y incision on him the whirring sound he heard was the was the saw oh they were getting ready to do his autopsy so these fucking doctors this is a quick story very little detail these doctors were so freaked out that they actually just kind of buttoned his shirt back up. He was... Got the fuck out? He was actually... No, wait a minute. He was naked on the table. They... Covered his they shame helped. for him? He was in... He was broken. He's a broken man. He needs surgery. He's alive. This is a motorcycle accident that oh. they thought killed him. So they put his clothes back on him. Roughly, basically, kind of. Covered him with a blanket. And they put the coroner's letter, the the order for them to do the autopsy... They put it in the pocket of his shirt. So kind of like, hey, <laughs> we, we we were told to do this, yeah. but we didn't. And that's because the guy is still living. They took his <laughs> gurney and they wheeled him out and left him in the fucking hall. No way. They just left him there. No way. Until his wife came down to the morgue to basically check on his body or I don't think he needed to be identified. But his wife came to the morgue for whatever reason found him in the fucking hall Whoa. laying on a gurney unable to move in pain and she ends up calling upstairs or the hospital whatever the guy gets the help he needs he does make a full recovery Whoa. and he's alive and today. he sues the fuck out of everybody can you believe that everybody just sued. insane okay. so there's a lot of detail to this story that i didn't cover but that's the gist of it and I don't. Ex- I know it's tw- like 2018. I just don't remember the exact location. I think it was in South America. Sheesh. But isn't that crazy? They yeah. thought he was dead. They didn't. What did they not check? I guess not well enough. Ugh. Somebody was maybe new. It's just a horrible. That's nightmare fuel right there. Yeah, that's not a five star. Mm-mm. That's a that's a one or two. I'm not sure. I think I would much prefer waking up at my own funeral in a coffin than oh. waking up on the morgue table oh, I mean, or the, f- the autopsy table. The fact that they weren't mid-cutting you open. He got so lucky. That's If well, that would have happened, that's... This, yeah, the story that he tells, though, is he heard this weird voices. He heard people talking, and they, he could tell that they were coming closer and going away, kind of moving away from him. But it was black and he couldn't move. He couldn't speak and he couldn't open his eyes. So then he hears these kind of clanging sounds. He notices that he's really freaking cold. He can feel how cold he is. As slowly as he's conscious longer and longer, he's beginning to gain more and more of his senses. Then he hears hears this this clanking and like a whirring, like a sound of a machine. Mm -hmm. And then it turns off Mm. and then he can feel this intense pain going from one side of his chin to the other and kind of like he feels his skin moving and he could feel like realizing that he could feel fingertips and like what he assumed was something pushing on his face the pain was so intense when he opened his eyes could you imagine oh, be in the be in the corner doing the autopsy no. could you imagine their fear they're like 
Oh, fuck. Yeah. Lawsuit time. His eyes are open. I need therapy. Do, do, do. Right. Yeah. So, wow. crazy, crazy. Both, Anyways. Both sides of that would be awful. Uh, it was a bad situation all um, the way around. It makes me think that the, you know, the people at the end of life have some of the most interesting stories. Mm-hmm. Because who knows? Especially right. through history. We're better at it now. Oh, I'm so imagine... glad. Well, that's where Dead Ringer came in. I mean, oh, you, you've right, heard the, the yeah, the bell that they tie. The coffin, or once they've been lowered under. Yeah, I think they actually tied it to their toe or tied it to their foot. Fuck. And then that string led out into the whoever took care of the funeral, or the, the graveyard, mm-hmm. yeah, the cemetery. I wonder how many groundhogs triggered that thing. Or big bugs. Oh, I it's like ding, 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 ding. It's like, oh, fuck, he's oh, alive. Dig him up. And it's like, alive. it's a groundhog. Again, <laughs> it's that same groundhog laughing oh, at us. Oh, it's the groundhog again. Fucker. All right, so the second story yeah. was ignoring the friend mm-hmm. because they, she had a bullet in her head. Yeah. And a headache for six weeks or so. Her like, head must have hurt so bad. Yeah. But I the mean, poor thing couldn't have it. The surgery to get it out. That no, sucks. she had to. Yeah, it had gone so long that yeah, there, there's nothing they could do. It's crazy. So the lesson so it's is part of the human body now. That's yep. probably poisoning her slowly. Who and, knows? Yeah. But your know, lesson is, if your head hurts really, really, really fucking bad, go to the doctor. Yeah, and make sure every time you have a headache, ask your significant other, or maybe a parent, yeah. or even your chitrin, and be like, did you shoot me in my sleep? <laughs> did you shoot me and I just don't did know? Did you shoot me? Well, yeah. I'm here to make a statement here. I am fully aware that when my head hurts really, really bad, because I suffer from migraines, cluster headaches on very rare occasion now, but it used to be quite often. Right. And sometimes I just suffer from just a raging pounding headache for whatever reason i think it's food related but Mm. i do know that when my head hurts that bad at least as bad as it's been where i can't open my eyes and i'm sick from it i don't make the best decisions right all i want to do is crawl into a dark hole and be left alone please planet earth just fuck off (laughs) exactly what she did i recognize that behavior not from being shot and not from being shot in the head but having a headache where I just threw up because of the pain mm. and then I decided to I'm just gonna go lay down right <laughs> that's terrible that's no it's good. been a long time since I've had one that bad right well let's hope you never get another one again yeah but go to the doctor if your head hurts that bad and I'm talking to my own subconscious at this point Monique don't be a jackass if your head hurts that bad again and yeah, maybe check for a bullet go to the fucking doctor also what a toxic relationship awful like the whole time yeah before I even had a suspect of somebody shooting somebody in the head I did say hey pri- did he stab her in the head yeah. and like break it off or something yeah I was thinking that mm-hmm. early on because it's you know headache and so right. obviously you know I thought maybe a chitrin had shoved a G.I. Joe up her nose and she just didn't know well, I One thought, of those things. I thought maybe the accident was worse than she had remembered. Right. And she That's actually hit first, her head. Yeah, like yeah. Glass, a glass shard right. got in her ear somehow and when traveled was, into her bowels. When and, I was reading the, uh, doing the research on it, one of the headlines gave it away. You know, gunshot victim, oh. sh- you know, didn't realize that she'd been shot. But That is a good way to give away the punchline. Right, right. But You didn't do that, thing. In you. the process of this story and reading through the news articles and stuff, I was thinking before I saw that one that, you know, maybe it was a car accident where the glass had gotten into her head and stuff. Mm. And then, of course, you know, I knew the details. And when I got to that one, I was like, well, if I read this one first, I'd know exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. The news is really great at uh, not surprising you. Right. They're not supposed to. I don't want to be surprised. There's a headline. I got busy shit to do. Gunshot wound lived. Gun. Yeah. (laughs) That's it. 
but the, what a crazy story. Yeah. And then Phineas Gage. Phineas Gage. That guy. I mean, what do you do? I don't. What do you do with that guy? That's another crazy story. Could you fucking imagine, first of all, being on his team? That's another nightmare fuel thing. Oh, yeah. Seeing, I mean. And then he jokes about it with of, a doctor. No. There's so many on the job injuries. I know. You know, when people have seen some crazy shit. Mm-hmm. If you work in certain industries, it's like, mm-hmm. or you know the story. Mm-hmm. There's always the example story of like, don't get too close to that machine and don't wear loose clothes. Mm-hmm. Or don't, don't fuck around, you know, on just because you got this thing going on, don't right. get, don't get confident. Well, coming from the machining industry, when I was growing up, I'm a girl. I had really long hair. There was shit in the bathroom that <clears throat> could kill you. In the yeah? <laughs> well, I remember hearing these stories about these men with long hair. This is in the 80s, you know, basically 80s and 90s and 70s when I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. But I heard these stories of these men with their long hair not putting their hair tying their hair back or wearing a hat you're not even supposed to be wearing a hat you literally if you have long hair you have to pull quit. it back into a ponytail go get hair a ray of like a braid but because when you're working around this machinery specifically like a lathe or like a, a drill press the velocity of the collet that just the turning of the machine if it catches your hair you're done. It's a split it's snap second. Your neck. It can it just pull your head in and smack your foot. I mean, it could kill you with right. the impact. I've unfortunately stumbled across things like that on the internet. Oh, have I've, you? Yeah, mm-hmm. I've seen it a couple times. Uh, uh. It's dangerous work. <clears throat> yeah, that's why I should try not to be too fucked up at work. You know, <laughs> not too. Well, fucked up. my Antonio's biological father, mm-hmm. my ex-husband, was a miner mm-hmm. for a long time. And he was actually a blasting person. Mm -hmm. He would go down and he did exactly what this person did, except it was with Prell, which is like a gel, blasting gel. His underwear was like explosive. Everything was explosive. But I remember there was an accident down there. And I can't remember. I don't think it was a blasting accident. It may have been a blasting accident. There was an issue and I got a phone call and I was pregnant with my son. Hmm. And I get this call that my husband at the time had been in an accident and he's on his way to the hospital. What happened was whatever caused it, they were, they had these giant HVAC like cast iron piping. I think it was for HVAC for air. Mm -hmm. I think maybe it wasn't, maybe it was for water. Anyways, it was 13 feet, I think in in diameter, 13 feet. It was Huge, and if you've ever seen any of the underground mining equipment, this shit is massive down mm-hmm. there. But this pipe, somehow, uh, the the pulley system it broke, mm. and the pipe fell. And when it fell, it hit and kind of bounced and rolled. And when it rolled, it rolled right onto my husband's foot. Wow! And he had a steel toe boot on. But it was more than just the steel toe. The steel toe kind of went up the arch of his foot Mm -hmm. because it was required for what he was doing. When this thing rolled over onto his foot, it crushed. Just crushed everything. It crushed the steel toe boot into his foot. Yeah. It saved his toes, though. He would have lost all of his toes had that steel toe not crushed because it just crushed his big toe. Mm. And so his big toe, he had to have it stitched and everything. It was saved. And it broke his toe. I'm sure. But the rest, and I think he actually fractured a couple of the bones in his foot. But if it weren't for that steel toe, 
it would not it, it would have rolled probably further in and yeah bad stuff so mining is dangerous work <laughs> yeah props to all of you people out there that yeah. are doing the hard jobs you guys the dirty jobs as they say no kidding so Phineas Gage, he's a, yeah. he was an interesting one. He married his tamping iron. <laughs> he did. <laughs> and he was buried with it, I hope. Or and no, it's actually, now, no, it's, it's in a museum. It's at the Harvard Medical School, yeah. That's along with his skull. That's amazing. I hope somebody goes You can actually look it up and find it. You can see where the, the iron went in through I think it's just like right under his cheek. And then through his skull and out the top on the other side. That's nuts. And he kept both eyes angle. still and he could still see. Um, I don't. And he could still. I don't. I think. I don't think he lost his eyes. I don't know about any of that. I know mm. it really fucked up his personality for a while. <laughs> well. I Impulse mean, control for sure. You get your ass kicked real hard and it changes <laughs> your personality a little bit. You Fuck get your it. ass kicked by a sharp ass implemented, you know, I was going to say at this point, weapon. at my age, if I sneeze too hard, it affects my personality <laughs> a little Fair bit. Enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, thank you guys for listening to Dipshit Files number 72. Yes, thank you. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for all your hard work. You're welcome. Through. It's As my always, pleasure. We, we love all of our, our people that help us. Yeah. Our trusted turd triad. I'm starting to call the other folk, the the PJ and Minnie mm-hmm. and Kelly, mm-hmm. the trusted turd herders. I love that. The trusted turd herders. They tend to herd a lot Aww. of the folk. And that's wonderful that they do it. That's so awesome. So we appreciate Don and Chris and Bodie. And we appreciate Minnie and mm-hmm. PJ and Kelly. Mm-hmm. And there's so many folk. Lucifina Lightbringer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got David Carpenter, Hoje Montez. There's just an army of people. Yes. All of our meme army, which is an entire group of you guys are fantastic. wonderful characters. I do want to thank everyone for the wonderful suggestions that you guys have emailed in for the Dipshit Files. Yeah. There's been some great story suggestions. I will be revisiting those. In fact, there was one that was submitted just last week where the the, the gentleman who submitted it, his wife, her great uncle, I think, is actually this killer. Ooh. So I'm going to definitely, I kind of glanced into the story of dun, it dun, and dun, said, dun, this is an interesting story. So this would be a very interesting true crime story. Well, let's get into it. Yeah. So there's there's some great suggestions. Thank you for sending those for anybody who has some, maybe some epic human stories that they know about info at scatcast.com. If you've ever been impaled yourself by a a potato iron (laughs) and lived, let us know. You can put that in the comments Mm -hmm. and we appreciate everything that you guys do for us. Patreon is a great way to support us Mm -hmm. liking and subscribing and doing all those things. The rating and stuff like that Mm -hmm. is actually helpful. But we don't care. We really don't care that much. Mm-hmm. The Patreon definitely is very, very useful. Yes, thank you so much for everything, for all the listens and yeah, all the really love. Just, just being a part of our journey, yeah. well, that's all that matters. But as always, we'll talk at you in the future. And it'll seem like the present. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bing bong. Bidding escape.